this week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we finish up James with prayer of faith, and then we move back to the Old Testament, to Habakkuk. Intro and prophet's complaint, God's answer, the prophet's second complaint, and the righteous live by faith. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. It is a regular feature of the many sermons, teachings, and teachers that we talk about on This Week in Pop Christianity that they claim to hear from God. They sometimes claim that you can hear from God, too. Joel Osteen recently is making it mandatory. You have to hear from God on your own, and you should obey it every time you have that little feeling that God wants you to do something. Is that good advice? Is that even biblical? Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. It's This Week in Pop Christianity. We're going to talk about Joel Osteen's sermon on hearing the whispers of God. Pastor Chris Roseborough is pastor of Consfinger Lutheran Church in Oslo, Minnesota, and creator and host of the YouTube channel Fighting for the Faith. Chris, welcome back. Thanks for having me back, Todd. What is this general tendency in American evangelicalism, pop Christianity, to need to hear directly, apart from Scripture, a word of God? So this fits into their general view that Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. And so they take John 10, where Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. And they then surmise from that, that that means because we're in a relationship with Jesus, there must be two-way communication between us and God. And so the the whispers of God is a vital part of that relationship because then God is communicating to us and doing so intimately and giving us information that we would we need to in order to function in this life and to not be taken advantage of and things like this and and that becomes the voice that they train people to instinctively trust rather than to question and oftentimes uh, people will trust that voice even above the voice of scripture what is it they think is missing from scripture that what are they looking for apart from Scripture? Well, they don't consider that to be intimate communication from God. That's too formal. It's too structured. It's too heady. It's not of the heart. And as a result of it, you know, because their relationship, the model that they use is really one of an intimate relationship between a husband and a wife or a man and, a, and his girlfriend. The Bible is not, in their view, that type of intimate communication that they believe is a necessary component of their relationship with God. He needs no introduction, but introduce him nonetheless, Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen is the chief pastor there at Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas, and their church meets at the former venue where the Houston Rockets used to play basketball, and he's considered by very many people to be America's pastor, so I think that's the best we can describe him. What do you usually expect when you're listening to a Joel Osteen sermon. Normally, he's pitching you know positive thinking and and the creation of uh, positive outcomes in your life using your faith filled words. What you can always expect from him is a gloss of scripture, a misuse of scripture, barely using any scripture, 
and a whole lot of kind of feel-good analogies and, and experiences from his own life and feelings that he believes are normative for other people if they will just follow his example. That's what you can generally expect from his sermons. Just to tick a box here, does Joel Osteen have any formal theological education? None that I'm aware of. <laughs> he was in, in charge of video productions at his father's church. If he attended a Bible college, I mean, that still doesn't count as formal training. That's just kind of general religious studies that you would get at any Christian university. But there's no evidence whatsoever that he's actually been to seminary, understands the biblical languages, has been properly trained in biblical exegesis or anything like that. What are we going to hear first from Joel Osteen? So the first soundbite, we're going to be establishing his creation of this doctrine regarding whispers and the importance of hearing the still small voice. I want to talk to you today about listen to the whisper. We don't always realize how God speaks to us. We've seen in the movies where God spoke to Moses, the voice boomed out of the heavens, sounded like thunder, so powerful and dramatic, it gave you goosebumps. But most of the time, God speaks to us in a gentle whisper. It's not something loud. It's not forceful. It's called the still small voice. We feel an impression, a prompting, not in our head, but in our heart. It's like a suggestion, something that we suddenly know we're supposed to do. That's not random. That's not you just thinking up things. That's God speaking to you. Six times in the Gospels, Jesus said, he that has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Well, everyone has ears. He wasn't talking about physically. He's talking about your inner ears. He was saying, are you sensitive to the whisper? Are you paying attention to what you're feeling in your spirit? It's easy to ignore it, push it down. But if you'll start obeying these promptings, the suggestions, the gentle whispers, God will lead you down the best path for your life. You see that coworker, and suddenly you have the desire to be good to them. You feel compassion. Something says, let them know that you care. You'll be tempted to reason it out. They look like they're doing fine. They don't need my encouragement. Don't ignore the whisper. God wouldn't have given you that impression if they didn't need it. You don't know what people are going through. You can't judge by the outside. That whisper is God leading you. The more you obey that still small voice, the more God can entrust you with. Okay, so is that what Jesus means when he talks about let him who has ears hear? No, and uh, so he says that Jesus said it six times. In reality, he said it four times, and then there's redundancy, because he said it, the gospel accounts record that one of the times he said that is in, in conjunction with the parable of the sower and the seeds and the different soils. And so the first time that Jesus says it is in regard to John the Baptist, where he says that John the Baptist is the Elijah who was promised to come. And as a result of that, Jesus says, let the one who has ears hear, that's basically Jesus saying, you know, he's inviting them to kind of come to a deeper understanding of the scripture and John the Baptist's role in fulfilling certain prophecies. It's a call to a deeper understanding of the scriptures. The second time Christ talks this way is in, in relation to the parable of the sower and the soils and the seed. 
And at the end of it, he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In no way was Jesus saying you need to tap into hearing a whisper or anything like that. That was a call for the disciple to carefully consider the actual meaning of the uh, parable that Christ had given. And it can only be understood through faith. And so this is a call for the Christian disciple in faith trusting in Christ and searching and digging for the deeper meaning of what it is that he's saying. And similar times Christ uses that statement are all the same. Not once is Jesus using the the phrase, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, as a reference to then we as Christians need to learn how to hear the still small voice. He says the more you obey it, the more you God is able to do in your life. What's going on there? So, I mean, that's just a completely made-up doctrine. Literally, there is no biblical text that says that as you obey the still small voice, God will improve or give you better things or, or better outcomes or anything like that. It's completely made up. I like to say things like, you'll find that biblical text that teaches that doctrine right next to the one that teaches us to pray to dead saints and to offer up prayers to the Virgin Mary. Those texts don't exist. So you'll note he just made up a doctrine whole cloth. And I would also note the phrase still small voice. Someone listening might say, well, well, Pastor Rosebro, doesn't it talk about God's still small voice when Elijah was on, on Mount Sinai after he fled from Jezebel? Didn't God speak to him in a still small voice? And the answer is yes. But that is a descriptive text, not a prescription. And nowhere in the rest of Scripture are we told that God is going to speak to us in a similar way that he spoke to Elijah. That text doesn't exist, so you, you, we don't have the ability to take a descriptive text and then turn it into a prescription and a normative thing for Christians, because you also heard in this, this soundbite, Joel Osteen legitimately say the majority of the time when God speaks to you, he is going to speak to you in a still small voice. No biblical text says that either. What is he encouraging his hearers actually to do? Simply to kind of just follow their gut? Yes. <laughs> follow their gut, follow their feelings, their intuitions, and to believe that those things are legitimately the result of God the Holy Spirit attempting to communicate to you. The problem is that far too many people in following their gut and following these, what they believe is the still small voice of God, have gotten themselves into all kinds of trouble and committed all kinds of egregious sins. And so over and again, when Scripture talks about the fact that if somebody comes to you claiming to be a prophet, you have to test the source of their prophecy to determine whether or not God is actually speaking or if that's a demonic voice or just the voice of the so-called prophet speaking presumptuously from his own heart and his own thoughts. And so over and over again, people who follow this, this notion then begin to trust their own feelings and intuitions, even to the point where they won't even listen to the scriptures. They prefer their feelings over the scriptures, and they make decisions based upon what they're feeling in these so-called promptings, this the still small voice, even when the scriptures tell them otherwise. Too many people use this to then sit there and go, well, I believe that she's the one, and they end up marrying a woman that's not right for them. And if they <laughs> had been listening to the scriptures, they would have made a better decision. But there's so many examples of that throughout evangelicalism, it's not even funny. Is this kind of uh, saying the quiet part out loud version of 
a popular phrase that you hear, even in some Lutheran circles, I felt led. Yes. <laughs> now, well, I would note there, here's where we're, I'll make one small exception, because you'll note that we believe when it comes to men being called to the pastoral office, that there is an immediate call and then there's a mediated call or immediate call. The immediate call is the is the fellow who says, you know, I really believe I'm being called into the pastoral office. And that might be a gut level feeling or it might be somebody, people saying, you know, you're really good at teaching. Uh, have you considered being a pastor? I mean, there's different ways in which that can happen. But you'll note then that everybody who has those feelings or believes that they're being called into the pastoral office, that is then confirmed through the, the immediate call, which comes through the congregation. When a congregation calls the pastor, that is confirmation that they were immediately called. So there's some checks and balances in place. When it comes to this still small voice and this claim, I've, I felt led to do this and felt led to do that, that's really, really bad language to use. And oftentimes, I would note that people using the language, I felt led to do such and such, that's a form of manipulation because you're playing the God card, but you're playing it silently. It's an, And it's an ace card because if you felt led, well, that means the Holy Spirit's the one who led you. That means that this is God's will. And if I oppose you or challenge you or question you, then I'm questioning God. And so we've got to lose that language altogether about the I felt led stuff. That's not a way for Christians to be talking because we are led by the voice of the Spirit in the scriptures. And that's the point that we need to really make, drive home here today. Pastor Chris Rosebro is our guest. It's This Week in Pop Christianity. We're going through Joel Osteen's sermon on hearing the whispers of God. Next, a warning from Joel about not listening to the whispers. week on the word of the Lord endures forever, we finish up James with prayer of faith, and then we move back to the Old Testament, to Habakkuk, intro and prophet's complaint, God's answer, the prophet's second complaint, and the righteous live by faith. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for the word of the Lord endures forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. Luther Academy provides additional theological education for our mission partners around the world, specifically pastors who are asking for additional education but do not have the necessary resources in their own church bodies. By donating to Luther Academy today, you will be supplying food, housing, books, professors, and travel for Lutheran pastors who attend our conferences. To learn more about Luther Academy and how you can donate today, visit lutheracademy.com, lutheracademy.com. The church is a family, St. Paul writes, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. At Redeemer Lutheran Church, we rejoice to be a part of that household of faith gathered around the gifts of Christ in word and sacrament. If you're in the Lawrence, Kansas area, it would be our pleasure to have you join our family. We also have the privilege of serving the University of Kansas. If you have a son or daughter who attends KU or one of the other area universities, we would love for them to join us and to make Redeemer their home away from home. For more information about our church, please visit redeemer-lawrence.org.
Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial-A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial-A Podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now. A voice in the wilderness of American evangelicalism. You're listening to Issues Etc. Is it hard? Yes. Will it challenge you? Absolutely. Is it a blessing from God for you and those you will serve without question? Dr. Lawrence Rast, president of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. The pastoral ministry is all of these things, and that's why Concordia Theological Seminary exists to form servants in Jesus Christ who teach the faithful, reach the lost, and care for all. Men from all over the world with a variety of unique backgrounds come to our campus to receive faithful training that will equip them for the challenging but blessed work of serving as pastors in Christ's church. Learn more about studying for the vocation of pastor at ctsfw.edu or call 1-800-481-2155. Christ-Centered Worship Confessional Theology Lutheran Community, Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. It's This Week in Pop Christianity. We're talking about Joel Osteen's sermon on Hearing the Whispers of God. Pastor Chris Rosebro, Fighting for the Faith, is our guest. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. Chris, what is next from Joel? So Joel Osteen is next going to basically give a little bit of a warning about going against the whispers that he hears. And sometimes you feel an unrest, an uneasiness, like an alarm is going off, telling you not to do something. Stay away from that person. Don't take that business deal. Don't get involved in that situation. Looks fine. Everything seems okay. Don't go against the whisper. God sees things that we can't see. He knows where the dead ends are. He knows the people that are going to pull us down and waste our time. When we look back over our life, mistakes we've made, disappointments, failures, if we're honest, Most of the time, we can see how God tried to warn us. We felt the uneasiness. We knew something wasn't right, but we wanted our way so badly, we overrode it. If there's an unrest, if that whisper is saying back off, it's not because God is punishing you, keeping you from something good. He's protecting you. He's keeping you from heartache. The reason that whisper is saying no is because he has something better in store. When you have big decisions, things you're concerned about, it's important to get quiet and listen to the whisper. Listen to what you're feeling. You can't hear it if you're always busy, noisy, stressed out, getting opinions from others, on the phone all the time. It's not that God isn't speaking, it's that it's too loud around us. You need times of peace, times where you can get quiet and hear the whisper. Every morning I start the day off saying, God, help my spiritual ears to be sensitive to your voice. Help me to hear what you're saying today. It's not going to be your mind, just a feeling down in here, an impression. All of a sudden you have a desire to check on your children, 
a prompting to go to a certain place. It's easy to dismiss and, oh, that's nothing. That's just me daydreaming. No, that's God speaking to you. Pay attention to the whispers. Okay, so what's the danger of following Joel's advice here to just listen to your inner voice and do whatever it tells you to do? The risk is to run against the very word of God, to actually contradict it and to sin, and to engage in a sin that's also known as presumption. Because you're going to note, he's presuming here that God the Holy Spirit is the one speaking, when in fact what he's describing is an almost universal human phenomenon known as intuition. I would point people as an example of of what I'm talking about to Malcolm Gladwell's famous book from 2007, and it was titled Blink, a very popular book at the time, and it really is an exploration of how human intuition works. And there's so much more to the human brain than we even understand. And he gave an example in one of the opening chapters to Blink of an archaeological discovery of a new Greek statue, you know, uh, one of these the, these things that, you know, the, that we find from antiquity, these chiseled statues and made out of marble, and talked about the fact that uh, when it had been put up in a museum, that there were there was a few people who were their their specialty was dealing with these types of statues and art relics from the Greek period and every one of them had a gut feeling that something was off with this thing and this was not based upon the fact that the holy spirit was speaking to them instead they they had a gut feeling that something was off with this thing because of their great study on this topic and their mastery of the subject and as a result of their mastery of the subject just upon looking at that particular statue they knew that something was off and it turned out it was a counterfeit and it was their great understanding of the topic that led them to be able to make a conclusion without even thinking to basically you have their intuition kick in but that's intuition based upon years of study and mastery of a subject and so similar things happen in human experiences. Like when somebody says that they're making an offer to you that sounds too good to be true, oftentimes there's a, there's a icky feeling that goes along with the, as you're hearing the pitch because you know something's off. And that, again, that's not the Holy Spirit, that's human intuition, and that's the level that our brain is able to operate on. The issue, though, is, is that when you confuse that voice with the voice of God, you'll note that God's voice is infallible, our intuition is fallible. And as a result of it, you can legitimately start following this voice, believing it's the voice of God when it isn't, and then as a result of it, you will engage in a form of self-deception. You will be deceived by your own intuition, by your own feelings, by your own experiences. And he is teaching people to trust that voice of intuition and to elevate that voice to the voice of God when it is not. Instead, it is a voice that God has given us as a gift, and we should be listening to it, but we should also be testing it and checking to see if our intuition is off or there's something wrong. But to make that the voice of God is a form of idolatry and then opens you up to to, to deception. And on top of it, I would note the devil is able to tempt us along those lines as well. So someone follows Joel's advice here. You had mentioned testing. Does Joel ever say, now, when this happens, make sure it's not contrary to anything that God's word in Scripture has to say? No, he doesn't. He, he just instead makes warnings 
don't quench that voice. You make sure that you listen to it. And if, and if the more you obey it, the more revelation God's going to give you, and more God's going to talk to you via that still small voice. He gives no warning whatsoever about how that still small voice can deceive you and lead you and mislead you into all kinds of horrible sin. What shall we listen for next? All right. Then in the next soundbite, we're going to hear Joel Osteen, rather than going to a biblical text to back up this this new doctrine of his regarding whispers, instead, he is going to give a multi-minute long testimony from his own life of how he and his wife listened to the still small voice, and it resulted in a fantastic real estate boon for them. There are times these whispers are going to ask you to do things you don't understand, things that don't make sense. If you reason it out and look at it only from a logical point of view, you'll talk yourself out of it. When Victoria and I were first married, we found this townhome that we really loved. It was a beautiful place with big windows looking out to the woods, tall ceilings. We got it for an amazing price, almost half of what it was worth. And we were so grateful. We never dreamed that in our mid-twenties, we would have a place that nice. But about a year later, Victoria said, Joel, I feel so strongly, we need to sell this place and buy a house. I thought, what do you mean? This place is perfect. We just got here. That didn't make sense to my mind, but when I got quiet and listened down in here, I could hear that same thing. Don't be surprised if that still small voice whispers things that go against your logic. God's ways are not our ways. That's a test. You have to trust that God knows what's best for you. We took that step of faith and sold it. A few months later, Victoria called and said, Joel, I found our new house. Meet me at the property. I pulled up. It was this old rundown house. Hadn't been lived in in years. Wasn't even livable, but it was on a beautiful half acre lot close into the city. All of our logic said, are you crazy? You moved out of your beautiful townhome to this piece of junk. But down in my spirit, I could hear that whisper saying, this is it, move forward. The scripture talks about peace that passes understanding. That means sometimes your logic is not going to understand. Your intellect is not going to get it. But down in your spirit, there will be a peace, a rest, a knowing. You can't explain it doesn't make sense on paper. You just know that you know it's right for you. We bought the house and we're going to fix it up. The day we closed on the property, I was standing in the front yard and this car pulled out. Lady got out and asked if we wanted to sell the property. I said, no ma'am, we just bought it. She said, how about I pay you more and you make a good profit? I said, no thanks, we really wanna stay here. She said, congratulations, you just bought your dream house. A year later, a builder knocked on our door and wanted to buy it. We sold half of the property for more than we paid for the whole property. It was more than we could ever imagine. We went from a small town home to a beautiful new house in a nice area in Houston. This all started from a whisper. Okay, take that apart for us if you would, Chris. Okay, so... No, he can't go to a biblical text that teaches this doctrine. It doesn't exist. So how does he know it's true? He knows it's true because he had a positive outcome that he attributed to a whisper. 
I would note that this makes Joel Osteen functionally a Mormon. Back in the day, you know, I, I remember spending time legitimately witnessing to Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses. In fact, my early training in apologetics was counter-cult apologetics. And if you were to ask a Mormon, how do you know the Book of Mormon is true? Because, I mean, it makes these really outlandish claims regarding the you know, the things that took place in Americas that, that cannot be backed up archaeologically. There's like no evidence. In fact, all the evidence runs against it. So how do you know the Book of Mormon is true? And you ask, you ask a Mormon that, and they'll say, well, we know it's true because we've asked Heavenly Father to give us a testimony of its truthfulness. And so he's borne witness by giving us a burning in our bosom. And so the way Mormons know the Book of Mormon is true because they've had a burning in their bosom. And I remember one time actually meeting with Mormon missionaries in my home my first year at Concordia University. And I read the Book of Mormon, and they asked, they, they offered to give me a copy. I said I would read it. They asked if, you know, they'll give it to me on one condition that they're able to come back and we can talk about it. And I said, sure, we can talk about it after I read it. I read it in, you know, in more than a month. But when they came back, the first question they asked me was, how did you feel while you were reading the Book of Mormon? And I said, funny that you would ask that because every time I opened it, I felt like there was a chill in the air and that the presence of evil had just come into my apartment. And one of them said, well, you were not reading it right. And I said, well, your subjective experience and my subjective experience are two completely opposite things, so we're going to have to look at the evidence and get this, uh, this emotional feeling thing off the table. What Joel Osteen is doing is functionally a form of Mormonism. It's legitimately, how do I know what God's will is for my life? Because I had a feeling. I had a burning in my bosom. I had I had a prompting. I had a whisper. I followed the whisper, and the whisper led me to this thing, then led me to this thing. And look at the great outcome that it had, and I, I wouldn't have had this otherwise. Therefore, this must be God. And the conclusion does not follow. It absolutely could be the devil who was the one behind those promptings because of the sheer fact that Joel Osteen is one of the most notorious false teachers and Bible twisters on planet Earth today with the greatest reach out of all of the false teachers on the planet. And so this doctrine that he's teaching is not only not found in Scripture, it runs against what we're told to do in Scripture, which is to test everything by the Scriptures, by the apostles and the prophets, and instead, listen to this voice, and how do we know it's true? Well, because Joel Osteen had a, a great real estate deal where he made a truckload of money. That's not the indicator as to whether or not that voice is the voice of God. And the fact that he can't back this up from a biblical text, but has to go to these personal experiences, is absolute proof that this is not something we should be believing or following. We should be rejecting it wholesale, because if it's not found in the Scripture, it's not a biblical doctrine. Pastor Chris Rosebro is our guest. It's This Week in Pop Christianity. We're walking through Joel Osteen's sermon on hearing the whispers of God. Is he robbing his hearers of their Christian freedom? You can support the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. by purchasing a cell phone case from Crossway, crossweh.com slash LPR. You'll find cell phone cases for Issues Etc., Lutheran Public Radio, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, and Luther's Seal with the Reformation Solas, crossweh.com slash LPR. A percentage of your purchase will support Issues Etc., Cross WEH.com slash LPR.
The way we as Christians view history is going to be different from how non-Christians view history. As a Christian, you already know what history is about, Jesus coming to save you. So wrote Molly Lackey in her inaugural article for Our Great Heritage, a new series at the Lutheran Witness online website on the history of the Lutheran Church and great historical figures in our history. To learn more, visit witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. What does it mean to inwardly digest God's Word? Find out in Pastor Will Whedon's column in the latest Issues Etc. journal. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red journal subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Dr. John Warwick Montgomery tells his story of finding confessional Lutheranism to be the most scripturally faithful theology. The free online Issues Etc. journal, issuesetc.org. The Evangelical Lutheran Church holds that it is God who raises up men to serve His Holy Bride through His office of the Holy Ministry. At Concordia University, Chicago, we prepare men to take the first step on the path by which God leads them to His pastoral office. Are you ready to take the step? I'm Dr. James Ambrose Lee, Chair of the Division of Theology at Concordia University, Chicago. Learn more about the pre-seminary program at CUC by visiting cuchicago.edu. CUChicago.edu. It's not about you. It's about Jesus for you. You're listening to Issues Etc. Christological. My friends, Jesus comes only for sinners. Historical. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by... Sacramental. Take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given unto death for your sins. To find a Christological, historical, and sacramental church near you, go to issuesetc.org and click Find a Church. Luther Academy serves Lutheran pastors to the ends of the earth by providing additional theological education for pastors around the world. Learn how to support their mission work at lutheracademy.com, lutheracademy.com. We're going through Joel Osteen's sermon on hearing the whispers of God. It's This Week in Pop Christianity with Pastor Chris Rosebro, pastor of Consfinger Lutheran Church in Oslo, Minnesota, and creator and host of the YouTube channel Fighting for the Faith. Chris, it strikes me that Joel's also robbing his hearers of their Christian freedom if they are obligated to regard their their hunches and their feelings as essentially God speaking to them, and they don't obey, well, the last time I checked, not obeying God's word is sinning against God. Yep. And you're right. He's absolutely binding conscience. And, and here's where evangelicalism and Pentecostals actually get everything backwards. They claim that humanity has a free will when it comes to choosing God. So when it comes to the first table of God's law, they say that human beings have complete and utter freedom and sovereignty to choose. 
But when it comes to the second table of the law, everything related to how we deal with each other, that's where they claim that we have to learn God's perfect will and find it and have our consciences bound. So which woman am I supposed to marry? Well, you have to wait for that prompting from God, that whisper that tells you that she's the one. And, and, and if, if you find somebody that's close, but the spirit inside of you is saying, no, it's, it, this isn't God's perfect will for your life. And that's completely backwards. When it comes to the first table of the law, scripture teaches us that our consciences, our wills are bound and that we are not able to choose God. When it comes to the second table of the law, we actually are responsible for those decisions. So the scripture doesn't tell me to either marry Barbara, Becky, or Jody. The scripture tells me, don't marry the pagan chick. Instead, marry the Christian one. You know, so it doesn't matter if it's a blonde brunette, uh, if she's tall or short. None of that matters. What matters is that she's a, somebody who shares the same faith that I have, and I can choose any of the women that fit into that category. And so they got it completely backwards. And you'll note, you're right. He's binding people's consciences in the mundane where God has actually delegated to us the authority to make those decisions. And we have to make those decisions according to the parameters that God has set up. But those decisions are ours and not, we're not to be seeking after some perfect will that God has for our lives and to somehow seek that and hear it in the wind or the whispers or the tea leaves or, or the omens or things like that. We have one final cut from Joel. Yeah, a shorter one, but it, basically he's going to make it very clear that the whispers are the Holy Spirit. If you'll be sensitive to that still, small voice and not talk yourself out of it, God will lead you places that you've never dreamed. See, the Holy Spirit is on the inside of each one of us. He's called our helper, our counselor, our guide. The more sensitive we are to his whispers, what we're feeling, the promptings, the nudgings, the further we're going to go. This is something I've learned so strongly, especially the last 20 years. I won't go against what I'm feeling on the inside. I trust my sensor. So this is classic Joel Osteen. That line, God will take you places you've never dreamt, has to appear more in his books and in his preaching than than any of his other catchphrases that he uses. That could probably just be the title of every single book, God will take you places that you never dreamt. What is he actually promising people there? It's vague, but he's basically promising them that they will have better and increasingly improving outcomes in their life if they do this. Here's the issue, that by saying this, Joel Osteen is guilty of adding to the scriptures. I know that might sound weird because, you know, there isn't the gospel of Joel, but what he's doing is he's making promises for God that God has not made with the expectation that God is going to back those promises up. And in the prophet Jeremiah, God speaks very vociferously and the worst judgmental tones ever against such presumptuous prophets who assume that God is going to back up their false words. No biblical text says or promises the thing that Joel said. He, in making that promise, is adding to God's word and to the corpus of real promises that God has made with the expectation that God will follow that up and and do it. 
But God is not bound by Joel Osteen's additions to the Scripture and additions to his promises. God will keep the promises that God has made, and he is not bound to keep any promises made on his behalf by people like Joel Osteen or others. And so this is a very, very dangerous thing that he's done, and he's setting people up for failure and setting them up to ultimately lose their faith because, well, what's the takeaway from this sermon? I need to go out and start following that still small voice inside of me. So I start following it. And next thing you know, it's led me off the proverbial cliff. And people will basically say, God isn't real. That thing isn't the Holy Spirit. I was deceived. Christianity is is false and walk away from this altogether because he promised me these great outcomes and all my life did was get worse and I risked everything, lost everything. Thanks, Joel, for misleading me. And they're going to leave Christianity embittered and very vengeful. Joel isn't the only one making these kind of promises. He may be the most blatant about it, but this is pretty common, isn't it? Yes. In fact, it's so common, it's epidemic. And so, so many places that call themselves Christian churches, rather than the pastors doing what the scriptures call pastors to do, basically dedicating themselves to the public proclamation and the preaching and the teaching of God's word. Instead, it's become story time. It's become, let's talk about my experiences, and it's become a time of chasing after these other doctrines that are not taught in scripture and people sucking it up and believing that what they're being taught is Christianity when it's the farthest thing from it. What happens to Jesus in the kind of regular fare of this in churches like Joel's and others? Jesus makes cameo appearances at best under highly controlled and manipulated circumstances. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins is a message that disappears altogether. And they claim, you know, with their lips that they love Jesus, they worship Jesus, they believe in Jesus, but Jesus' real words and what he really taught are not at all expressed in any kind of meaningful, substantive, or deep way. In fact, I would note that in the Great Commission, Christ says, make disciples of all nations, disciples are learners, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching all that I have commanded, and all there means all. But these churches are not dedicated to teaching all that Christ has commanded, and Christ's commands and the fact that the scriptures are about him and what he has done for us, that all gets lost in the busyness of these feel-good, self-help sermons designed to help get better outcomes out of your present life, rather than the message of the scripture, which calls us to repent of our sin and our iniquity and to look to our crucified Savior who bled and died for our sins and cry to him for mercy and receive from him forgiveness and trust him for the real promises that he's given us, not that we would have a great life in the here and now, but that in the world to come, when we're resurrected from the grave, he will give us eternal life in a world without end, without sin, where we will see our God face to face. That's what we're promised by God. But these people make promises that are so focused on the here and now that it really what it is, it's it's a love for the world and the things of the world put with a Christian veneer on it designed to hide the fact that they're actually disobeying God's word and are really not that interested at all in the real Jesus. Where does God speak to us today where we can be certain that we're actually hearing his voice and that we ought to listen to it 
as earnestly as Joel is urging his listeners to listen to themselves. There's only one place, and that's the Word, the Scriptures. Jesus said to his disciples who would become the apostles, he said that the one who hears you hears me. The one who hears me hears the one who sent me. Jesus doesn't say that about anybody else. He says that only to his apostles. And the only place I can go to hear the voice of Jesus is in the scriptures, the apostolic New Testament written by Jesus' apostles. That's the only place I can go to hear the voice of Christ and to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And that's who the apostles point us to, is to Christ and to hear his voice in the word. The apostle Paul talks about the fact that scriptures, they have noustos, it's God-breathed, and is profitable for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. Peter, in his last epistle before he was going to be crucified, he points people to the word of God and says, you will do well to pay attention to this as to a lamp shining in a dark place. And even Christ in his high priestly prayer in John 17 prayed for you and I, when he prayed for those who would believe in him through their words. And those words come to us only in one form, and that's in the form of the scriptures. The church itself is founded on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. It's the word that we hear the voice of God. And God the Holy Spirit has promised to be operative in the preaching and the teaching of his word. And when we hear the word rightly taught, we are hearing God's voice. And he is communicating to us. And this is what we need to be dedicated to. And basically to the exclusion of other competing voices. I only wish that Joel Osteen would be this firm about people listening to the Bible as he is about them listening to whispers. Pastor Chris Rosebro is pastor of Consfinger Lutheran Church in Oslo, Minnesota. He's creator and host of the YouTube channel, Fighting for the Faith. Find out more about Fighting for the Faith at our website, issuesetc.org. Click Talk on Demand Archives. Chris, thank you. Thank you, Todd. Next week on Issues Etc., we'll discuss the deconstruction of Christianity with Tim Barnett. We'll have a conversation with Jennifer Lowell on the truth about detransitioning, and we'll continue our classical Christian worship series with Dr. Arthur Just. I'm Todd Wilkin. Go to church on Sunday. Thanks for listening to Issues Etc. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Wildwood, Missouri is a proud sponsor of Issues Etc. And if you enjoy the relevant, Christ-centered teachings presented on this program, then you should come and join us at St. Paul's on Sundays at 9 a.m., where you will hear sermons that proclaim Jesus Christ and Him crucified for our sins and enjoy in-depth Bible studies to help us grow as disciples. 
For more information, check us out at stpaullutheranwildwood.org. I am beautiful because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am accepted because I'm a part of His family through Jesus' shed blood. Unity Lutheran School in East St. Louis, Illinois, shines the light of Christ in one of the most impoverished cities in America. Learn how to support their mission work at unityesl.org. Unityesl.org. Today, with the help of 